Good morning. If you would open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that by your mercy and grace that we can come into the presence of the thrice holy God and call you our Father. That you've instructed us in your word to cry unto you, Abba, Father. Lord, we know it's only because of your adopting, regenerating grace that we can be the children of God. And Father, we're so thankful. And Father, we've gathered here together this morning as your children to be taught of thee, to hear word of, from thee. Father, I pray you take your word as it is open to us and that you would be our teacher and apply it to our hearts this morning. Father, I beg you that you would give me of your spirit, that you would speak to my heart and open my mouth and, Father, enable me in clear and simple terms to preach Christ and him crucified. And, Father, I pray you be with your people, that you'd enable us to lay aside the cares and goings-on of, of this life, Father, that you'd open our ears, that you'd lay open our hearts to receive the message that you have prepared for us this morning. Well, we pray for ourselves in this hour, Father, we especially pray for our children's classes. Father, how thankful we are for these young ones that you've given to us. I pray you'd make us faithful to them, to, to teach them the scriptures, and Father, above all, that you'd be pleased to be merciful to them in your time and your providence and your goodwill. Father, be with your people everywhere that they gather together to meet this morning. Oh, how much we, we need to be enabled of thy spirit to worship you, to hear a word from thee, to, to be instructed and taught and, and edified and comforted from your word. Father, we pray that you'd be with those who are you brought it into the time of, of great difficulty and trial. We're so thankful to know these things have not come by accident, but they're from your hand, from your purpose, for your eternal will. Father, we pray that you'd comfort the hearts of your people, that you'd teach the, the lesson that you'd have for us to learn and that you'd be pleased to deliver as soon as it could be thy will. Now, Father, all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name the name of Christ our Savior. It's for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. I've titled our lesson this morning, The Lord Calls His Preachers. Our text begins in Mark 1, verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Now this is the story of the Lord calling his first disciples to be preachers and eventually to be his apostles. And this is also how the Lord calls all of his preachers. 
Now, this isn't the, the call of grace. When the Lord called these men, saved them by his grace, as far as I can tell, that's not recorded anywhere in Scripture. It must have happened sometime before this. Maybe these men heard John the Baptist preach. Somehow, however it was, whoever it was, they heard the gospel. And the Lord gave them faith to believe. And now the Lord is calling these men to be his first disciples. And then he's going to make preachers out of them. Now I see five marks here of God calling his preachers in our text. And maybe you're not ever going to be called to, to preach. But it will be helpful for us to know these five things that will help us recognize God's preachers when we do hear them. Number one is this. The Lord called these men to be his preachers. You know, these, these men were just going about their daily, everyday life, their, their job, their everyday job. That's what they were doing. And the Lord passed by and called them to be his disciples. You know, these men hadn't decided, well, you know, I, I want to be a preacher. And, and just they were doing nothing, sitting around doing nothing, waiting for a pulpit to open up so they could preach. They were doing their jobs. They were doing what the Lord put to their hand to do that day. For them, it was fishing. They were professional fishermen. And they kept doing their jobs. They kept working at it to support their families until the Lord called them to be his preachers. Now, the same thing is true of all of God's preachers. God's preachers do not put themselves in the ministry. You know, they don't announce to everyone, you know, the Lord, Lord has called me to, to preach, and they sit around doing nothing. You know, don't go out and work a secular job. I'll just sit around and do nothing and wait for a pulpit, you know, to open up. God's preachers don't announce, you know, the Lord's called me to preach, and then they spend time fundraising to support their mission. Men don't put themselves into ministry. They don't go into the ministry until the Lord calls them to it, and the Lord puts them in the ministry. And we need to remember that. We need not to, to try to promote a man and get him to go into the ministry just so we have another preacher. I grant you, it does seem at, at this time in, in history that there, there is a shortage of pastors. There's a shortage of, of pastors preaching God's sovereign grace, isn't there? But we're not going to take a man who's, who's got, you know, some, some skills that impress us and try to force him into the ministry just so we got another preacher. That's going to be a disaster for him. That's going to be a disaster for his family. It's going to be a disaster for the congregation. We're just going to wait for the Lord to call a man into the ministry. And I promise you this, if the Lord's the one that calls a man into the ministry, the church is going to recognize it. You know, he's not, that man's not going to have to go around telling everybody the Lord's called me to preach. They'll already know it. The church will recognize it. They do every time. Because when the Lord calls a man to the ministry, he gives that man gifts to be able to do the job. You know, what man is sufficient for these things? My soul. Janet has said this before, and I, I think it several times a week. Sometime, at some point during the week, I'm sitting in my study. Frank Tate, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What, what man is sufficient for these things? Well, no, no man. But the Lord's going to give his, his preachers the gifts to do the job that he called them to do. And when he does, the church will recognize those gifts. But the Lord's got to be one to do it. He's got to be the one to do it. All right, number two. The Lord calls plain men to be his preachers. 
You know, Simon and Andrew, James and John. These are common, ordinary, blue-collar men. You know, a professional fisherman is not a rich man, is he? Not by any means. He's got to work hard every day to make the ends meet. And that's what these men were doing. So, couple of them, they're still fishing. They're still casting their nets out there and fishing. A couple of them, they come back from fishing and, and they get done. They, you know, they, they've been out fishing however long. They come back to the dock, you know, and now they're getting ready for the next day. You know, they're, they're mending their nets. They're, they're mending the boat. They're doing preventive maintenance on the boat, whatever, so that they can be ready to hit the water at sunrise the next day. These are just common, ordinary working men. And that's just who the Lord uses. The Lord does not take rich men or men that have a lot of power and influence out in the world to make them leaders in his church. The Lord uses common, ordinary people to be leaders in his church. And here's why. God's not going to use a man's natural abilities to make him successful in preaching. This is not a professional speech giver. You know, being, being God's preacher is not a, being a motivational speaker, you know, where you've got some, some skills, you know, to be able to do it. It's not being a used car salesman, like Jonathan says. God's not going to use man's natural ability. You can be, use your natural abilities to do all those other things, can't you? But not this. Let me show you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brother Todd Nybert won't mind me telling this story because he's told it so many times, told it on himself. When Brother Henry had his preacher school, there was a number of men in that preacher school. And Henry looked at one of them. I mean, this man was talented. I mean, he can do anything. He can preach. He can sing. He can write songs. He's, I mean, he's just got a dynamic personality. Henry says, I'm worried about you. <laughs> You've got too many talents. He looked at Todd and said, I'm not worried about you. You've got no talents whatsoever. Yeah. But that's the men that God uses to preach his gospel. And here's the reason. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it's written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. See, this, in this matter of preaching, we're in a bad, we're, I mean, we're in a bad way if the thing that we're glorying in is the preacher. Oh, he, he's so dynamic. He's got, he's got all these different, you know, gifts and people are just naturally drawn to him. That's not who the Lord uses, is it? The Lord uses just plain, ordinary men with no talent whatsoever so that the glories of Him. So that the glories of Him. See, the power of the gospel is the Holy Spirit of God. It's not the natural abilities of men. You know, if, if you're drawn to a man, I promise you this, you'll soon leave the gospel. If you're drawn to a man. Because he's just a man. But if you're drawn to Christ, you'll never leave the gospel. See, if you're drawn to a man, the gospel eventually is going to offend you. 
and you'll leave. But if you're drawn to Christ, you'll love the offense of the gospel. What's the offense of the gospel? It's our flesh is helpless. Our flesh can't, can't do anything. We're totally dependent on the Lord. If you're drawn to Christ, you love that offense. You love that, that message that constantly makes you dependent on the Savior, don't you? These men that the Lord called were nobodies. As far as society is concerned, they're nobodies. They didn't have a whole lot of education. They're not eloquent men. They're very plain spoken men. They didn't have magnetic, dynamic personalities. They were plain, lower class, or lower middle class men. And the power was of God, wasn't it? The Lord used these men with very little education, very little talent. It turned the world upside down. That power was of God. You know, the apostle Paul, you know, I was thinking about this, the Lord calling nobodies. Well, that doesn't seem like Saul of Tarsus, does it? Saul of Tarsus had many of those qualities. Best education you could have in the day. The man was brilliant. The man had power and authority in the world. In the world in which he lived, this man, had, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had power and authority. He had eloquence. He had a, he had a personality that, that people were drawn to. And the Lord called that man to be his one of his apostles. And you know the first thing the Lord did with him? He taught him, you can't use any of those abilities in preaching the gospel. If you're still there in 1 Corinthians, look at verse 2. He said, or chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Now, Saul of Tarsus, he learned those words. He's educated. He could have used enticing words of man's wisdom. He could have done that. But he said, I did not do that. But my preaching was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And here's why. So that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Isn't it good that you know that the, the preacher didn't talk you into doing something? If the preacher talked you into doing something, you're always going to doubt it, aren't you? But if it's if it's of the power of God, you never have to doubt it. That's why the Lord just uses plain, common, ordinary men to preach his gospel. All right, number three. God's preachers. All have a work ethic. These men that the Lord called to be his first disciples are professional fishermen. Now, professional fishermen work 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And it's hard work the whole time. You know, when Jonathan and I were growing up, there was a fishing hole behind our house. And you know that when you first come over the hill, that tree, that's where I always fish from. Because you know where I wanted to be? I wanted to be in the shade. You know, it's not casting your you're lying out there with a bobber, sitting in the shade, drinking a cold drink, you know, waiting for the bobber to start bobbing up and down. That's not a professional fisherman. A professional fisherman works hard all the time. He gets up before sunrise and rows that boat out into the sea every single morning. And we rows out there deep enough, where the water's deep enough, they got these big, pretty good-sized nets. And boy, once you throw that net in the water, it soaks up the water. Now it's heavy. And they take that net and they throw that thing out there in the water and they pull it in. 
you empty the fish up, take it, throw it. They do that all day long. I mean, that is hard, backbreaking work. And when they get done, they've caught as much fish as, you know, as the, as, as they think they can, then they go back to shore. Well, now they gotta clean all the fish that they caught. Then they gotta repair their nets. They gotta make sure the boat's ready to go the next morning. So that first light the next morning, they go out and do it all over again. These men did that six days a week. They rested on the Sabbath, but six, six days a week, they went out working like that. Now the point of all that is this. These men had a work ethic, didn't they? Well, they go, they're going to need it. They're going to need that work ethic because God's preachers have a work ethic and I'm telling you, it's a good one. It's a good one. Someone asked Brother Bruce Crabtree one time where their church could find a pastor. Where are we going to find the next pastor? And Bruce said, I'll tell you where you're going to find him. You're going to find him working a job. That's where you're going to find him. He's not sitting in an ivory tower, you know, somewhere at the seminary waiting for a job to open up. He's got a job. And he's working hard at it every day. And I'll tell you why that's true. Because if you're going to be in the ministry, you better be prepared for hard work. Hard work. And working hard in a job, just, you know, just going out every day, supports your family. That's good training ground to teach you a good work ethic. Now, if you do it right, the ministry is hard work. Physically and emotionally and spiritually, especially, it's hard work. Hard work. It just, it's a burden that you carry constantly. So many of the Old Testament um, prophets wrote about the burden of the word of the Lord. That's the burden God's preachers have to carry all the time. There's a family I know. Years ago, there was a little boy in that family. His grandfather was a pastor. And they were eating dinner one day, and that little boy announced to his family, he said, I'm going to be a pastor too when I grow up. And the family asked him, why do you say that? And he said, because preachers only have to work two days a week. Well, that boy's a a man now. He, He got a real good job out there in the secular world. And I'm sure he's got a fine work ethic. But I'm telling you, if the Lord made a preacher out of that fella, he'd have had a rude awakening. I mean, it's just... Uh, I'm not exalting myself to say I work harder than any of you because I don't. But it's different. <laughs> it's different. That's, I, I just, that's, all, that's the only way I can explain it. But I can show you that. If you look over to Ephesians chapter 4, this matter of God's preachers having a work ethic, Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 11. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The Lord made these men apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, 
may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now here Paul's talking about the, the work of the ministry. It's for the perfecting for the maturing of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to be taught so that, so that you can't be deceived. These false prophets are lying in wait to deceive you. They're crafty. They're crafty. They take the word of God and they, they twist it a little bit. They, they hide it a little bit. They, they, they put some, some uh, man's logic and man's wisdom in. They're crafty, trying to deceive you. The job of God's pastors is to teach you Christ, to teach you the scriptures so you can't be deceived. It's so that we grow up together in Christ. Paul said, I travail till Christ be formed in you. Now that's hard work. It's hard work caring for somebody like that and then digging into scriptures and find something to give them that will point them to Christ. That will cause them to grow up in Christ. And you cannot imagine the heartache when you see someone be deceived and go away. And that heartache is what drives you to keep, you know, it's hard work. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here's Paul's instruction to, to Timothy. In preaching, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who is to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. They're, they're going to, Timothy, they're going to hear you. They won't have it. They're going to leave you. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to find somebody that tells them what they want to hear. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now they're going to do that, Timothy, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul said, all these things are going to happen to you, Timothy, but you just keep working at it. You just keep working at the ministry. You, the job of prayer and study and care and preaching is it, it, hard work. And if a man's God's preacher, he's going to be dedicated to it. He's going to be dedicated to it. I wouldn't give you two cents for a man who does not spend time in study preparing to preach to me. I wouldn't give you two cents for it. I wouldn't listen to it by you. I just wouldn't do it. God's preachers have a work ethic. All right, here's the fourth thing. God's preachers go willingly. Now you'll notice as soon as the Lord called these men, they immediately got up from what they were doing and followed the Lord. There wasn't any debate. There wasn't any now, now wait till I do this, wait till I do that, and, and then I'll go. It wasn't like wait till I get the business in, in a better position, you know, so, so they can do without me. And, and no, the Lord called them and they immediately followed him. 
When I was a little boy, there was a preacher I heard. He he made this statement, which, which I don't know, scared everybody to death. I'm not sure exactly why he made this statement. This is what he said. He said, when the Lord saves us, he calls us, calls us by his grace. He said, we just come to him with such joy. We just come running to him, don't we? He said, but when the Lord calls a man to preach, he's got to get out the baseball bat. No, he doesn't either. No, he doesn't. The Lord calls a man and he makes him willing to go into the ministry. The very same way he makes all of his people willing to submit to him on the day of his power. The Lord makes them willing to do it. God's preachers willingly follow him into the ministry. Brother Henry said so many times the Lord has no unwilling servants. None. They willingly follow him and they do it even though there's a price to be paid. They're still willing to, to pay that personal price. The Lord called these men. Here they're doing their job. They had to leave their nets. They had to leave their boats. They had to leave a significant investment, didn't they? They had to leave that to go be God's preacher. These men had to leave their family business. James and John are working with their dad. I mean, this, this, is, this is the family business. <laughs> and they had to leave that. They had to leave their family and go into the ministry. Here they had this job. I mean, it, it wasn't a job making them rich, but it was a steady job, wasn't it? And they had to leave it. They had to leave all visible means of support to go into the ministry. I mean, leave all visible means of support. In order to pay their taxes, the Lord had to reach his hand down in a fish's mouth and pull out the coin to pay the taxes. All visible means of support were gone. And they did it. They did it willingly, didn't they? Now, there's a price to be paid to be in the ministry. These 12 apostles, they all paid a big price, didn't they, to be in the ministry. Every last one of them was martyred, except for the apostle John, who died of old age, exiled to the Isle of Patmos. They all paid a price. And the same thing is true today. There's just a cost to being in the ministry. Everything else in your life is now second. The best it can be is second because this comes first. More than likely, a man's going to go be a pastor somewhere. He's going to have to move away from his family. He's going to have to go where the Lord calls him to serve. He doesn't get to choose where that might be. Now, that does not mean your family is not important because they are. They are important. God's preachers are to be good husbands and good fathers. That's what, what Scripture says, isn't it? But the family still comes second. They still have to come second. You're just going to have to give up some of your time. You're going to have to, to give up you know, some money. There's something wrong with a rich preacher. Something very, 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 very wrong with that. You don't have to take a vow of poverty, but you ain't going to be rich either. If you're truly going to go into ministry, that's what you got to do. And if a, if a man's God's preacher, he will do that willingly. And if... You can just tell what a man's goal and purpose is. If he's constantly trying to draw stuff out of you so he can have more stuff and more better stuff, I highly question whether or not that man's God's preacher. Highly question it. Highly. All right, here's the last thing. God's preachers are fishers of men, 
Now the Lord made these men fishers of men. The Lord made them that. The Lord equipped them to do this job. You think what a preacher school these men had. The Lord said, I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. The Lord himself taught them. The Lord gifted them and made them preachers of his kingdom just like he was. And the Lord described their new occupation, being one of his preachers, as being fishers of men. Now, they're not fishing for profit like they used to. You know, you, you catch fish out there in the ocean, you're catching fish for, for profit. These men aren't doing this for profit for themselves anymore. Fishers of men are fishers of men's souls. They're drawing men and women, not to themselves, not for their own gain, they're drawing them to Christ for your gain. For your gain, so that you'll be drawn to Christ. God's preachers are not professional fishermen in this way. We preach for God, God's glory. Preach for your good. Not for our financial gain. God's preacher, a fisher of men, will do his job, preach Christ to you for your good. He'll tell you the truth, even if it makes an enemy out of you. Even if you hate hearing the offense of the cross, even if you hate hearing the offense of the gospel, he's going to tell you the truth because he cares for your soul. See, he's fisher, he's a fisher of men, fishing for souls. You're preaching Christ. You know, we talk about this fishing. This is, this is very important. Remember, these men use nets. They use nets. Preaching Christ is not the kind of fishing where you deceive the fish with a lure that isn't real. You know, that I told, told you about that fishing hole that, that behind our house when Jonathan and I were growing up. I mean, you ought to have seen the, the contraptions and the hooks and the baits and the stuff, you know, we use to, to, to try to catch fish. I mean, wow. But you know, I never just threw a, a hook in that thing, in that pond. And caught a fish. Never, ever, ever. I always had to deceive the fish. Which I guess tells you what kind of fisherman I am. I often came away without any fish. So the fish must be smarter than me. But if you're going to catch a fish, you've got to deceive them. You've got to deceive them. That's not the kind of fishers of me and the Lord's talking about here. He's not talking about using a lure and trying to draw somebody and deceive them into coming to Christ. He's not talking about using something that's not real to draw men to Christ. We draw men to Christ by casting the net of the gospel. We draw men to Christ by telling the truth. By telling the truth about themselves, about ourselves. How helpless and hopeless and how lost we are. We draw men to Christ by telling them the truth about who Christ is. Oh, look at him lifted up. Look at him, the Savior of sinners. Look, look at him sacrificed for the sin of his people. His blood atones for all of the sin of his people. His blood cleanses us from all sin. Look to him. Trust him. Trust him to be your all. We do that plainly and openly and honestly with no other agenda other than you hear Christ preached in truth. You hear him glorified, so you come to him. That's our only agenda. Now we cast that net out of the sea, don't we? Preaching to all men everywhere. Everywhere the Lord gives us an opportunity. We preach to all men everywhere. But we're not using lures now. We're not trying to deceive people. 
We're depending on the Lord to call out his sheep. We preach to all men everywhere. Everywhere the Lord gives us an opportunity. We do it. With this confidence, the Lord's going to call out his sheep. I don't have to use lures. I don't have to use deceits. I don't have to use sales tactics. Just preach Christ. I know this. The Lord will use that message to call out his sheep. I know he will. Now, if you can find a man preaching like that, you can find a man who's been put into the ministry like that, you'd be wise to listen to him. That's God's preacher. All right. Hope the Lord will bless that to you.